The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning. I want to welcome all who are gathered and, and joining us online and those who are gathered here this morning. May the grace and peace of Jesus be upon you this morning. Here at The Springs, we are... Uh, a group of followers of Jesus who are being transformed into the image of Christ so that many will find their way back to God. And we do that through three primary ways. One, we do that by gathering in the name of the Father. Two, we want to grow into the image of His Son. And three, we want to go by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this year, what we are focusing on is growing, growing into His image. So we've been in the book of James the letter of James, Wisdom from Above. And so today, if you'll join me, it'll be up on the screen or on your tablet, or if you have a paper Bible, you can open it to James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14 through 26. James says this, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credit to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's pray. Father, as always, we come to you in faith. We come to you believing that your word is life. So upon that confession, we ask for ears to hear, and not only ears to hear your word, but hearts and desires to follow your word, and not only hearts and desires to follow your word, but bodies that will embody your word and obey it. And God, I ask for the gift of preaching this morning. It's in the name of your word to us, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. One of my favorite movies of all time 
like for sure in the top five is Goodwill Hunting. And I'm not going to get an amen from anybody about that. Goodwill Hunting. All right, you guys, you guys need some work in your movie watching skills. What did you say? Okay, yeah, that's right. How do you like them apples? There's a scene in the movie, Robin Williams plays a psychologist named Sean, and Matt Damon plays Will. And Will is a genius. And Will has been going to see Sean, Robin Williams, the psychologist, uh, to do some therapy. And in the gamesmanship of the work that they're doing, there has a little bit of conflict that happens. And it rattles Robin Williams, rattles Sean, the psychologist. And then there's a scene where they're in a park. And they're sitting there and they're looking at the swans. And, of course, Will is joking around and not taking it seriously. And Sean, the psychologist, he says, I've had a revelation. He goes, what's that? He says, I realized something that you don't know what you're talking about. He says, what do you mean? He says, if I ask you about art, you could tell me all the, the skinny about Michelangelo. You could tell me about all his works and his history, his life, his political aspirations. You could tell me about his relationship with the Pope. But you've never been to the Sistine Chapel, have you? No. You've never stood there and experienced. No. He said, in fact, you've never been out of Boston, have you? He says, no. He goes, if I ask you about war, you could probably quote Shakespeare to me once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never fought in a war. You've never held your friend while he's wounded and comforted him. Then he goes on and he says, if I ask you about relationships, you could probably count and name all the relationships that you've had. He said, but you don't know what it's like to be committed to someone, to be devoted to someone in the good and not only the bad. To sit in a hospital room with someone because they have cancer. Will for sure is a genius. But the real question that comes up in this scene, in this movie, is something like this. What good is it to claim that you know so much if you've never done any of it? This is the question that James has for you and I. In James 2, 14, it says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such a faith save them? It seems that if somebody's heard Paul's message, that we are justified by faith alone, it seems like someone that James is speaking to has talked this way, and it says, hey, I'm saved by faith. 
And for sure, Paul talks this way. But for Paul, if you read Paul carefully, it's not faith that saves you. Justification and salvation is an act of God. That God works through faith. But for James, he implies that faith is expressed through action. And this is what salvation really looks like. So if we go back to James 1, through 25, he says this. This is not the first time that James has talked this way, but he says this. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Whatever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So this is what faith for James looks like action. Do it. Don't just hear the word and believe it. Do it. And then he says this example. He says it's like looking in the mirror. And then as soon as you walk away, you forget what you look like. This is like nonsensical. He says it's so ridiculous to think this way. To say that we can hear and not do and that that's fine. He says that's like nonsense that it's like looking in the mirror and walking away go can't remember what it looked like or better yet it's like this it's like driving down the road seeing a stop sign reading the stop sign and then looking ahead and forgetting that the stop sign is there can you imagine if you got pulled over for running a stop running a stop sign and the cop comes up and he says, do you know why I pulled you over? Um, can't remember. You ran a stop sign back there. Oh, yeah. I looked at it and I read it. And then I looked ahead and I completely forgot. Can you imagine how that would go? That will be $215. Thank you very much. But he says it's like looking at the stop sign and reading it and then taking action because there's actually wisdom in stopping at an intersection where other cars might be coming from the other direction. And it's like he says this, James says, and if you stop, it'll not only bless you, It'll bless those who are coming across traffic as well. He goes on to say this in verse 18 and 19. He says, but someone will heavily say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even demons believe that, and they shudder. 
James, I think, imagine he gets pretty sassy right here. When he says, you believe that there's one God, he gives the slow, sarcastic clap. Have you ever done that? Teenagers, you know what I'm saying, right? Congratulations. Well done. You've accomplished exactly what demons have accomplished. Good job. If you look back in the Gospel of Mark, which we weren't in too long ago, you remember what demons said about Jesus? They were the only ones in the Gospel that recognized Jesus for who he was. And every time they saw him, they confessed, you're the Son of God. You're the Son of the Most High. But while the demons knew exactly who Jesus was and they believed he was, they acknowledged that statement. They had little will or no will to follow at all. So he gives the sarcastic clap. Congratulations. Join the demons. I think for us, and this, this applies to us on a certain level, right? I mean, it applies to us more than on a certain level, on a deep level. That what we've been taught about faith, I'm not saying at your church experience, but in general about culture, is that believing something is to, is to give mental assent to it. Right? That to believe something that I just mentally agree, yes, that is true. So I remember doing Bible studies, and I remember there's one particular Bible study that we did. And what it was, was you begin by reading about the creation of the world, and the question was, at the end of that reading, do you believe that God created the world? Yes, I do. I believe that. And then you get a little bit further in the fall, do you believe that sin separates us from God? Yes, I do. That's what that text is. I believe that. That's true. And then you read a text about needing forgiveness of sin, right, and restoration back. Yes, I believe that. And reading something about Jesus dying for our sin, and yes, I believe that. I read it right there. I believe it. And that it's by his blood that we are saved. And forgiveness, yes, I believe that. And that where did Jesus spill his blood? He spilled it in his death. Yes, I believe that. And then you read Romans where we're baptized, we're baptized into his death. Yes, I believe that. And it was a great Bible study. But it was all propositions along the way that asked, do you believe this proposition? And most of the time, people couldn't refuse. They'd say yes. They just, do you agree that's what the Bible says? Yes. Now, that's all good. That's all true. Those teachings, we need to believe. I want to affirm those teachings. But somehow we have in our mind that believing is believing all those propositions. That's what faith is. That somehow what happens in our mind is more important than what happens in our body. And Jesus, James, actually comes back and he says, faith is not just what happens in your mind. It is primarily what happens in your life in your body that's what faith is faith is a way of life not 20 propositions 
that you're to believe before breakfast in the morning. Faith is a way of life. Now, before you come up to me and say, well, Ben, believing is really important. Trust me, I, I think believing is important in that sense of like mentally believing. But let me give you an example. I believe that to be healthy, I need to eat healthy foods. That's a belief I, I have. Who cares whether I believe it or not if I don't eat healthy? Does it really matter if I believe that? I believe that I need to change the oil in my car every 5,000 miles. Anybody else believe that? Does it really matter if you believe that if you don't actually change your oil? Do you see what I mean? Faith is a way of life, according to James. And then he goes on to say, give an example about what this might look like. In 15 and 16, verse 15 and 16, he says, hey, let's suppose that a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Earlier, he says this in 27, this is not up on the screen, but earlier in James chapter 1, he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Ooh, when, when Scripture says something like that, pay attention. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In Israel, widows and orphans and count foreigners or strangers or, or refugees or something like that in there as well, the one thing they all have in common is they can't own land. Women can't own land. Foreigners can't own land. Children can't own land. And if you don't have land, what do you not have? Food and daily needs. You don't have a way to survive. It's a bit like those refugees that are coming in from Afghanistan that we're expecting. Can you imagine having to leave with nothing? Can you imagine trying to make it? But James goes beyond widows and orphans, and he says some, something like this. He says, say, for example, someone, brothers and sisters, includes brothers in this and sisters. Let's say someone in this room is struggling with these things. Not a widow, not an orphan, although it could be that, but just anybody. A brother or sister. Or better yet, What if it wasn't someone else who's struggling, but what about if it's you who's struggling? Earlier in James chapter 2, verse 8, he says this. This is what Brett read and talked about last week. He says, if you really want to keep the royal law found in Scripture, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep that, you're doing right. Because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. The one that Jesus says is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your life, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then Jesus adds a second part to this. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. But what James does, surprisingly, is he takes the two commands, A and B, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, and he flips it. He reverses it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself... And that affirms that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we love God with our heart and our life, our strength and our mind. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we affirm our faith in God. To love your neighbor as yourself is to have faith in God. For James, faith equals loving your neighbor as yourself. Not just believing 20 propositions before breakfast. What strikes me on a personal note is James says, if one of you says to them, this destitute person, this one in need, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is this? And there's a lot going on probably with James and what he's talking about there. But I, I don't know about you, but what that sounds like to me in my life, when I am tempted to say, go in peace, be warm and well fed. When those words creep into my life, you know when they creep in most and why they creep in most? Because I don't have enough time. So when you see the homeless person on the side of the road and you wonder if you should do something. We were in Dallas last summer. It was really hot outside and we just got to the hotel and Kim sent me to get some sandwiches across the way. And of course, it was right by the highway and I pull up and I see this homeless guy. It's really hot outside. And... I think to myself, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. You know, because you make eye contact, then it's real. Of course, what happens? I make eye contact. He waves. Then I had this revelation. I'm going to, the, I'm going to Subway. I'll get him a sandwich. So I bought my family's sandwich. I bought a sandwich. I had no idea if he needs a sandwich, but he said he needs help. I bought him a sandwich. Now some are like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Or that we shouldn't encourage that. I go, I gave him a sandwich. What's wrong with giving a stranger a sandwich? What's wrong with feeding people? 
Has anybody ever paid, f- like you get up to the, you go to the drive-thru and you order and then you get up. It's like, hey, the person in front of you paid for you. Wow. That was helpful. What's wrong with helping people with food? But most of the time I don't do that. Because I have somewhere to be and something to do. What actually really needs to happen, probably, is not to just hand them food. Like my good friend Fred Ligon that used to work with homeless people, he moved from giving out food to actually spending time and having conversations to learning their name and then to eventually walking with people from homelessness to sustainability and livelihood. But if you're like me, I don't have time to do that. What kind of time it takes to do that? I barely have time to walk with people that are in my life right now. But it's not wise to live like this without time to act. You remember when you went shopping as a kid with your parents or more recently and you bought a new pair of shoes? Did your parents ever buy you a pair of shoes and you put the shoe on and your toe went all the way to the end and they touched the end? They're like, that's a perfect fit. They ever do that? If they did, they bought shoes a lot. Because what do you always do with kids that are still growing? You, you see, you, you put your thumb there where their toe is, and you always want room to what? Grow. In our lives, we need to leave time. We need to leave room to grow. In our schedules, we don't need to push push our schedules all the way to the end of the shoe, but we need to leave some room to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I know you're saying, but man, I can't do it all. You don't have to do it all. But you need to live in a way that leaves enough room to do something to help someone in need. Leave enough room to listen to those who need to be heard. To mentor and invest in someone's life that needs direction. To reach out to those who don't have enough. To share with those who need some solidarity to visit those who are lonely, to show mercy to those that need mercy. Faith equals loving your neighbor as yourself. And if you're like me, you probably need to make some room to actually love your neighbor as yourself. He ends with this, two examples in 20 through 26. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Then he goes on to say this, in the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Paul actually uses this same example in Romans about Abraham. And he uses it to say that Abraham was justified by faith and not the law. It says that Abraham, this same quote, Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But Paul's point there is this, is that it wasn't the law that justified him. And part of his point was the law didn't even exist for Abraham. But he believed and his faith it was a credit to him as righteousness because of what he believed. But James wants to take that same story and that same quote and pull it together. And he goes, but you need to see something. Although he wasn't obeying the law, look, look. Did you see what he did? Did you see what he did? What does faith do? Actually brings his son to the altar. To the point of death. Faith does something. And in the story of Rahab and Joshua, Rahab's a prostitute and they send spies into the land to Canaan where they're going to check out where they're going to conquer the land. And she accepts these spies. And lodges them. Well, the king hears about this, that there's spies in the area. So he goes to Rahab and he goes, I want you to bring me these spies. They're here to check us out and to see where our weaknesses are and how they're going to. And Rahab, she says, well, they came to my house. But then they left. I don't know what happened. And he actually uses her as an example of what faith looks like. And, and here's, here's how that's probably more relevant. Even though the story of Abraham's more prominent in the minds of people, here's how the one's more re relevant. And she's a prostitute and she lies. But what does James focus on? Mercy and compassion. He seems to think, James, that faith expresses itself in mercy and compassion. Just like, suppose you see a brother or sister that's in need, and you do nothing. What good is that? He ends this way. He says, a body without the spirit is dead, so faith is without deeds. He compares, James compares faith without action to a body without a soul. And we usually think this way, the spirit or soul animates a body. And you would think that he would say that faith animates, that's how we think, that faith animates our actions. But in fact, James goes the other way around and he says this. He says it's action that animates faith. It's what you do that animates your faith. Not your faith that animates your actions. This is what James says. 
action, is the soul, it's the breath, it's the spirit that animates the faith in your life. So if your faith, if you feel like your faith is a little stale, or maybe on life support, or maybe dead, maybe give it a little bit of soul. Maybe give it a little breath. Maybe give it some spirit by doing by animating your faith with action. Here's some ways you could start. We have kids ministries here at the Springs, youth, college ministries. Get involved, volunteer. Women's ministry, we have connections groups. Get involved, do something. We have friends speak. We have the welcome table. refugees coming if your faith needs a little something begin by acting these are just a few ways to begin but we want your faith animated in your homes and in your jobs in your neighborhood and your communities across this entire city so if your faith is not alive if it's not where you want it to be then start moving your body into action. And you can begin now by standing, moving your body to sing. Let's sing together.